I'm Stuart Vonnie. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, March 26, 2020. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. It's a hard time for many of us, but a few are focused on the light at the end of the tunnel. And business titan Mark Cuban is one of them. Out of all of this, there will be great companies born. There will be new products developed that really change the world. That's who we are as a country. I'm Dave Anthony. In this coronavirus outbreak, the VA is doing more than just treat veterans. It's on a new mission. During time of war, to become part of the Department of Defense. During time of natural disaster and epidemic, to provide a an emergency medical force when the federal government requires it. And I'm Charlie Kirk, and I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. I imagine your life may have changed quite a bit, whether you're working from home, relying on technology in a new way, operating with less money, exercising outdoors, not eating out, maybe using less toilet paper. It's all been a lot. Things have changed for many of us really quickly. President Trump says some areas of the country will go back to normal more quickly than others. And he confirmed financial help is on the way for workers, independent contractors, and especially small businesses. We want them to keep their workers and pay their workers. This will help businesses keep workers in the payroll and allow our economy to quickly accelerate as soon as we defeat the virus. And while this whole experience may seem rough, some are only seeing the bright side. It may help to be pretty wealthy, but one business titan believes America will be stronger than ever when this is over. I think we're, you know, a lot of us are coming closer together. Mark Cuban is an entrepreneur, investor, and Dallas Mavericks owner. It's crazy, but the fact that we can't be with our families makes us want to be with our families more, our parents, our grandparents, you know, where we can't go visit them. We're calling, emailing, texting, FaceTiming a whole lot more, asking how they are, concerned about them a whole lot more. I guess the better way to put it is we're not taking life for granted, and we're taking the steps to show we appreciate people around us. And that's a good thing. I saw on LinkedIn you were taking questions from small businesses. What are small business owners coming to you with? What are their big concerns right now? They're terrified. Um, You know, businesses dried up from – you know, doing great last month or two months ago to almost nothing. And that's terrifying to anybody um, who's ever started a business. And so, you know, trying to give them the benefit of my experience, I've been in that circumstance before. um, And the things that you can do to really try to turn a huge negative into a positive, you know, talking to your employees, talking to your suppliers, talking to your customers, because they have time and they're concerned as well. And, you know, just like it's a chance for us to talk to our our family, um, this is a chance for you to connect more closely um, with your stakeholders. That's part one. And part two, it's also a chance to get ahead of the game a little bit. Every small business has a scenario where they wish they had time to redo something, redo their processes, Mm -hmm. you know, improve your, your literature, whatever it may be. Now's the chance to do that. And the third thing, if you're a CEO or uh, entrepreneur that owns your own business right now, you need to be up to speed immediately in all the legislation that's looking to be passed by Congress. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to be a lot in there for small businesses and ways not just to get loans, but if you keep your employee, if you have fewer than 500 employees and you commit to retain all your employees, all the people that make less than $100,000 a year, the government's going to pay their salary. It'll start up as a loan, but it'll be forgiven in four months, maybe three months, three to four months, 
um, if you retain those employees. That's unprecedented. That gives any small business the chance to stay in business and to keep their employees you know, on the payroll. So as a CEO or entrepreneur, you need to get up to speed on that immediately. And then because you'll be able to do this through your bank, you need to go visit your bank or not visit, but go call your bank mm-hmm. and, and ask them exactly what it takes for you to get um, to become part of this program. What sort of um, specific policy would you like to see, um, you know, to to get the economy back on track? Or, or do you think what, that once this is over? Is okay. Yeah, I think what they've proposed is good, right? It's scary because, you know, it's anywhere from two to six trillion and who knows what impact that has with all that debt going forward. But we are where we are and there's not going to be a perfect deal. Um, I give credit to, even though I thought it was slow getting there, now that it's done, I give them credit for getting it done. Now the challenge is, can we get everybody um, in government, in all the the applicable departments, to get the money in people's hands a lot more quickly than they Mm -hmm. anticipated? You know, I heard from different senators, it could be five days, six days, seven days, sometime next week. It has to be sooner than that. You know, people are struggling and to, to feed their families, they're stressed. They need that $1,200 check. Small businesses need that money in order to keep the doors open and keep paying people. So it's going to have to happen um, faster than they're really anticipating. It is pretty interesting to watch people um, repurpose their factories or manufacturing to you know, help out making protective gear. But a lot of people are saying what that means is we really need to start manufacturing things back here in the U.S., especially you know, certain items like medical equipment. If we start yep. doing that, if, if we come out of this and we start a resurgence of manufacturing in this country, um, what is that going to do to the economy? We'll have to pay people higher wages than they do in China, right? I hope so. Yeah, no question. I mean, look, it's it's up to consumers. You know, one of the things I'm seeing on Shark Tank is that companies, particularly from millennials and younger, are coming in with a social component. They want um, mm. their consumers to know that if you buy a T-shirt from them, they're going to send a T-shirt to somebody who's disadvantaged. If you buy socks, the homeless are going to get socks as well. Buy one, we'll give one away. So millennials and Gen Z, they're used to already mm. wanting to know that the, the companies they buy from are, are socially conscious. And so I think that's going to be what gets us over that price hump. They're a lot less price sensitive than their parents and their parents were in the past. And so I think, you know, even though Buy American hasn't really worked historically, I think that's going to change. And so when you see um, younger consumers in particular go to buy things when, when we get on the other side of this, they're going to be okay with paying a little bit more for Made in America because mm-hmm. they know what it means to their future. We all know you on the Mavericks. When the NBA suspended the season, were you asked to weigh in? Did, did the owners have no. any role in that call? None. None. Nope. I was watching our game. You know, we were the, ended up being the last game. And when I saw the news, I was stunned. I had no idea. that was. I knew it, it was a slight possibility. But, you know, when it actually happened, I literally was stunned. I, I didn't see it coming at all. Did you think this was going to be as big as it has become? Or you, were you one of those people who was like, no, this isn't going to be so crazy? No, I, I obviously underestimated it. You know, when, when I talked to people at the beginning, it was like, okay, it can't really be worse than the flu, right? And it was one of those things that's in China. You know, lots of things are in China, you know? And, and I, I just, it, I, it wasn't personal to me at all. And I obviously, you know, was ignorant to the, the realities of the disease. Um, and so it ended up being a lot worse than I ever anticipated. Are we going to have a game at some point with no one in the stadium? Probably. 
And that's not a bad thing. America needs sports. You know, right now we have nothing to cheer for, nothing to get excited about, hmm. um, nothing to, to, you know, get to, to root for with our friends and our family and our communities and our cities and our states. And so when the NBA comes back initially, there probably won't be fans. And I'm guessing, I'm not speaking for the NBA. This is purely speculation on my part. Sure. But boy, oh boy, it's going to be exciting and it's going to be a nice change. You know, everybody in Dallas, Fort Worth is going to be rooting for the Mavericks no matter who we play. And everybody's going to be watching on TV because they're tired of watching the same old stuff, except for Shark Tank, of course. Watch Shark Tank on Friday nights. But it, it, it'll be good for everybody to have something to cheer for and something to get excited about. So sports has a huge role in, in our comeback, and, and I'm excited for that. And I'm excited to be part of the NBA and part of that comeback. You're paying your staff right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Should others? Should everybody? Or do, does it really depend to. on your circumstance? Yeah, it really depends on your circumstances. I'm never one to spend other people's money. Um, and so it, it's up to each individual to make their own choice. But you know, when I, when I took that step two weeks ago, it was important to me, and, and I thought it was the right thing to do. Now, if this legislation happens, there'll be fewer people that will have to make that judgment because, again, if they have fewer than 500 employees, the government's going to step in and help you pay for them. And so the best thing you can do – I'm not asking anybody to pay their employees if they can't afford it, but I am telling everybody and expecting every good CEO and entrepreneur – um, to go to the bank and make sure they understand this legislation so they can get help from the government and keep their people employed. That is um, a moral and ethical imperative. You have to do it. Mark, do you think a lot of people are going to be on Shark Tank in a few years saying, listen, I lost my job in 2020. I started this little business and now I need you sharks to help me get to that next level. I think they're going to be on, on Shark Tank in 2021 saying that. And in 2024, we're going to be looking and saying, oh, my goodness, these amazing companies were born out of that tragedy, out of the horrific times of 2020. You know, that's what makes America different. That's what makes us unique. We truly are a, a country of entrepreneurs. We have that spirit to go out and start companies, to, to be creative, to take risks. And there is no other country in the world like that at all. And so, you know, out of all of this, there will be great companies born. There will be new products developed that really change the world. That's who we are as a country. And that's why as bleak as it can seem right now and as horrific and tragic as all the numbers that we see popping on, you know, popping on the screens, we'll get to the other side. I'm 100 percent certain. And we'll, we, you know, we'll be different when we get there. We'll be changed in a lot of ways. But we'll find ways to make our society better and make the world better. And, and I'm really optimistic about that side of it. Are we, are we going to have a recession after this or are we going to bounce back pretty quickly? I think, you know, we're already in a recession. I mean, you can't not be, be fearful right now, but I think we bounce back. How quickly? I'm not going to put a date on it. But I think, again, you know, as critical as I've been of our politicians, and I think they were too slow, they got it done. Now, hopefully, all the different branches of government and the different organizations within government can get money in people's hands. And if we do that fast enough, then we'll get through this. I have complete confidence. You know, I truly believe in American exceptionalism. There's no other country in the world that's going to be able to figure it out like we can. We'll use this opportunity. We'll use, you know, the, the situation we find ourselves in to, to be organic and creative and entrepreneurial. I mean, I can't say that enough times. That's who we are. And you know what? People have, have said the American dream is not alive and well. It, if it wasn't, it just truly got ignited. And mm. people have said, well, maybe socialism is an option. 
you know what, we've, we've had a taste of socialism right now and giving money and redistributing wealth, and that's okay. But we, I think we are truly going to see the best of capitalism um, when we come out of the other side because this is where people are going to be entrepreneurial. And I'll keep on saying it again and again. That's what makes Americans different. A mixed bag. Mark Cuban, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed the interview. This is Charlie Kirk with your Fox News commentary coming up. The number of coronavirus cases keeps rising in the ranks of the U.S. military. More than 200 troops are infected. Even more family members and Defense Department civilians and contractors have also tested positive. Three of the cases were sailors medevaced off a Navy ship in the Pacific. I want to reassure the American people that the United States military remains steady, remains ready, and capable of meeting all of our national security requirements. Ellen Lord is Undersecretary of Defense Acquisition and Sustainment. And while she says they do have a stockpile of masks and ventilators and other important medical equipment for the military, they are trying to help with a nationwide shortage at civilian hospitals. There are great ideas coming out from 3D printing to other things, um, looking at alternative materials for N95 masks versus what has traditionally been used. Um, There are many, many good ideas. Our job is to look at those that are most actionable, um, that will give us the highest volume and work through those. The VA is also involved. As it works to treat veterans across America, about 400 of them have tested positive for the coronavirus so far, but two-thirds of those cases are mild enough that they can stay home and don't need to be in hospitals. But treating vets is just one of the missions for the VA. We started early, Dave. Um, The president's instructions to me were very clear that we had to implement a very aggressive public health response to this. Robert Wilkie is Secretary of the Veterans Affairs Department. Long before the country started moving, we started locking down our facilities. We started uh, questioning and inspecting people before they even walked in. That included staff as well as families and patients. Uh, We stopped elective surgeries. We were the first one to do that. Uh, We had to take a very tough decision. Uh, We had to close our community living centers, which those contain about 7,800 veterans, most of them from World War II and Korea. Mm. Uh, We had to stop them seeing their families for their health protection. That has to be very difficult. Oh, at at that stage in life, it is incredibly difficult. But that was the only way we could get ahead of this and protect them. So by, by doing those things, we have done everything that the public health manuals tell us Uh, to protect our our facilities. What about equipment? We've heard so many hospitals across the country needing gowns and masks and ventilators. How's the VA stocked on that? So the the first response was to stop elective surgeries. And what that did was save the wear and tear, not only on our people, but on our equipment. So that allowed us to stabilize our equipment. It allowed us to stabilize our blood supply at a time when, as you know, the American Red Cross says there's a blood shortage across the country. Uh, We have 
uh, access to national stockpiles and private vendors that we use. Uh, I get an update daily on equipment across the country. That, and when I say across the country, that means everywhere from uh, northern Maine all the way out to American Samoa. Um, so we have supplies on hand that are sufficient according to our medical people. But we also have the advantage, because we are a national network, if there are hot spots, we can do what the Navy calls cross-deck uh, supplies, you know, take them from a region that really, and there's several of our regions that haven't experienced anything, and send those to, to hot spots. What about New York and New Jersey? Those states are the two sure. hardest hit so far. New York's been trying right. anything it can do to get ventilators and equipment. Can right. the VA help? Well, what, here's the process. Uh, once the president declared a national health emergency, then VA falls under FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. And what FEMA does, it takes requests through the governors, through the state capitals, and then it begins to triage those requests and see where we can help. Uh, we are a, a foundational federal response in the sense that we have a fourth mission. Our first three missions are veterans' health, veterans' benefits, and then memorial services. Our fourth mission is during time of war to become part of the Department of Defense, during time of natural disaster and epidemic to provide a, an emergency medical force when the federal government requires it. So what does that mean? Um, we have a, a force that is similar to, I'm an Air Force reservist, uh, we have a force that's similar to that. We have 3,000 doctors, nurses, engineers who can deploy across the country when needed. There are some concerns about the VA's response being uniform at facilities across America. In one report, Marilyn Park, with a union that represents many Veterans Affairs workers, said she is hearing of inconsistencies in coronavirus screenings, with employees feeling there's not enough guidance, which they feel could compromise medical workers and patients. Secretary Wilkie's response? Uh, I sit down with the White House task force in the afternoon. Then I immediately transition to what is the equivalent of our war room where we are connected with all of our regional directors. Uh, there, there are 18 of them across the country, and that includes Samoa, that includes um, Guam, uh, the Virgin Islands. Uh, I hear from each of those uh, network directors. I have not heard those things coming up through the chain of command. If those things are valid and if they are reported, then I will hear them. When you are dealing with the scope and size of this pandemic and the outbreak and what may even be more to come, I yeah. know you've asked for some doctors, some nurses who had retired to sure. maybe come back out. How, sure. how much response have you had? We've had quite a bit. And, and that points to the nature of the military being a family. And we, we are a quasi-military institution. We serve nine and a half million soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coast guardsmen. Um, my, my leadership team here, we all have extensive military experience. Um, the retirees want to stay, and it's very similar to the military system where you have a reserve retired list. 
officers in the armed services never retire. Uh, they, they can be on, they're like ambassadors. They never retire. They are on call for the rest of their lives and can be recalled by the president at any time. We have a similar system. We have retirees who have given us their names and said, anytime you need us, we can come back to duty. So right now, uh, we, are, we are working those lists. We are uh, checking credentials. Uh, we will be using them because I am sure that we will be manning uh, different FEMA uh, sites uh, across the country in the coming days and weeks. Now, uh, leading up to the Trump administration, there was an awful lot of focus on delays in, of care in the VA right. and all right. of the things that, that were uh, uh, controversial for, for several years. Has right. this made it harder to keep up with the regular care for all the veterans who need it? No, in the, in the sense that, look, we we're talking about soldiers who are used to tough conditions. I mean, these, these are people, I mean, I talked earlier about Korea yeah. and World War II. Right. Uh, you can't find Americans who've been in tougher situations than that. Uh, they know that by canceling routine care, we are doing it to protect them. They, they get that. Um, we're not we're not canceling car- cardiac care or or cancer care or dialysis. Those things go on, but um, the routine appointments, the regular checkups, those have to uh, take a back seat because we're also we're trying to keep people out of our our VAs who don't need to be there to protect them from unnecessary exposure. So no, I, I haven't seen anything like that and. Um, We've had a pretty good response, and part of that is we've sent out millions and millions of communications, texts, emails, letters, phone calls, but not just to veterans, to, to families and to caregivers. Uh, that's something we do that the rest of the healthcare system in this country doesn't do. You know, a lot of us have been told to stay at home. Of course, if you you know if right. you don't if you don't need to go out and you're not essential, please don't go anywhere. It can right. be very isolating, I'm sure, for a lot of these veterans and some who need extra assistance. Are you also reaching out and, sure. and going sure. to their homes in cases? So we do. We do. But let me give you an example of something that's happening in New York City. Um, we sent our mobile vet center into New York with the mission of addressing mental health issues. Um, we've been in Harlem. We've been in Queens. We're at We've been in Long Island. We've been at Penn Station. Uh, we've seen hundreds of vets come to us. We got the word out. The other thing that we are telling our our veterans, and um, it's something that we uh, are in the lead in for the country, is to take further advantage of telemedicine, telehealth. Um, we have a very large budget for telehealth. Uh, last year, we had millions of appointments taken care of through telehealth. In our communications with our veterans, we've told them to use it. Uh, that's one way of getting to our routine appointments uh, without having them actually physically enter the facility. So um, we are reaching out in, in that respect. We are visiting people, and uh, uh, we've had a very good response. Obviously, none of us have dealt with anything quite like this coronavirus outbreak. Right. Do you have any idea how long this might last and how long this is going to, you're going to be dealing with this at the yeah. VA? I, 
I don't know. Um, you, you heard the president's press conference. Right. Easter. Uh, he hopes you know, the country's he, opened up again in Easter. He but hopes. Medically, that's we tough to do. Yeah, we, we hope we hope that, that, that we're on target for that. But um, I, I, I get new updates every day from uh, Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, the same people who, who brief the president after we have our task force meeting. Um, but the best thing that we can do is continue our aggressive uh, public health response to this. Veteran Secretary Robert Wilkie, we really appreciate you joining us, and thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. You take care. You too. Good luck on everything. Thank you, sir. Download and subscribe to original podcast from Fox News Radio. It's time to get caught up on what's happened and what's next. I'm Jared Halpern from Washington. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Charlie Kirk. What's on your mind? Contrary to early reports indicating the coronavirus affects mainly the elderly or those with pre-existing conditions, a new Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report indicates that young people are not only getting the virus, but are also hospitalized because of it. The director of the World Health Organization pulled no punches when discussing how the pandemic will affect young people. Quote, this virus could put you in the hospital for weeks or even kill you, end quote. At daily press briefings last week, President Trump repeatedly made it clear that everyone, including young people, needs to take precautions to not unnecessarily risk spreading the virus. Quote, I hope they just listen to what we've been saying over the last period of time. We don't want them gathering, and I see that they do gather, including on beaches and including in restaurants. Young people, they don't realize that they are feeling invincible. I don't know if you felt invincible when you were young but they don't realize that they could be carrying lots of bad things home to their grandmother and grandfather and even their parents, end quote. Despite these warnings, young Americans have been openly defying the president and his team of medical professionals, who are practically begging the Gen Z and millennial generations to adhere to social distancing guidelines. Not all young people are guilty, but scenes from some spring break hotspots have gone viral for all the wrong reasons, and crowded beaches around Florida have looked like anything but social distancing. This forced Governor Ron DeSantis to finally order the closure of Broward and Palm Beach County beaches, bars, and nightclubs while chastising college students for continuing to congregate in large groups. The defiant, quote, nature of youth, end quote, is nothing new, of course. Just ask the baby boomers. Those were all now working so hard to keep safe and healthy. In their young years, they were the living embodiment of youthful rebellion. They gave us Woodstock and the sexual revolution, despite the protestations of their parents, the church, and even politicians. The 2020 pandemic version of defiance, however, seems different. Typically, when young people rebel, they do so with little or no risk to anyone beyond themselves and their own body. This time, they're endangering an entire society. It's less self-destructive than self-absorbed. What gives? I'm a member of this age group, and I have altered my behavior. I am not eliminating all my activities, but I am avoiding large gatherings and doing little things like not shaking hands, keeping my distance, disinfecting the surfaces I touch, and washing my hands as often as possible. I do this so that I don't get sick myself, but also to protect others, especially the elderly. I also want to do my part to help life get back to normal for everyone as soon as possible. 
On Friday, Colton Underwood of ABC's The Bachelor, fame and former professional football player, revealed that he had tested positive for coronavirus. I'm 28. I consider myself pretty healthy. I work out regularly. I eat healthy. It's been kicking my tail, just to put it very bluntly, end of quote. He shares that even going up a flight of stairs or to the bathroom is extremely difficult because of how, quote, exhausted he is. The reason I'm sharing this is not to cause fear or panic, he says, but to hopefully encourage you guys to stay home. The college students and all my fellow 20-somethings do better. Show some regard for communities you call home. Consider the lives of people around you, those who raised you and love you. Their well-being may depend on the decisions you make today. Your nation and your president are calling upon you to do your part. You've likely been taught to distrust authority, maybe especially the president. I can't change that now. Instead, trust yourselves. Deep down, you know better. I'm Charlie Kirk, author of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine, The Only Ideas That Will in the Future, and host of the Charlie Kirk Show on Apple Podcast, and founder of Turning Point USA. You have been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to Fox News Radio's hourly newscast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, visit foxnews.com. Download the one, the one with Craig Gutfeld. Jennifer Haramai. Uh, my ex-husband, Neil Haggerty, like, we wrote all the songs together, but then he pieced out and yeah. didn't want anything to do with the mixing. Right. So, you know, you know you're, you're putting stuff in my lap, and you're, you're going to get a little bit of my flavors. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.